I'm Phil Rickaby, and I've been a writer and performer for almost 30 years. But I've realized that I don't really know as much as I should about the theater scene outside of my particular Toronto bubble. Now, I'm on a quest to learn as much as I can about the theater scene across Canada. So join me as I talk with mainstream theater creators you may have heard of, and indie artists you really should know, as we find out just what it takes to be stage-worthy. If you value the work that I do on Stageworthy, please consider leaving a donation either as a one-time thing or on a recurring monthly basis. Stageworthy is created entirely by me, and I give it to you free of charge with no advertising or other sponsored messages. Your continuing support helps me to cover the cost of producing and distributing the show. Just four people donating $5 a month would help me cover the cost of podcast hosting alone. Help me continue to bring you this podcast. You can find a link to donate in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app or at the website at stageworthy.ca. Now, on to the show. Stephen Neer and Aaron Joel Craig are the founders of Same Boat Theatre. Same Boat brings its award-winning play, Whale Fall, written by Stephen, to Toronto's Red Sandcastle Theatre from November 17th to 26th. In this conversation, we talk about the origins of the play, how it's evolved from its first performances at the Hamilton Fringe, taking the play to the Vancouver Fringe, and much more. Here's our conversation. Stephen, you were you were on the program uh, a while back, uh, about a year or so ago, and we were talking about Whalefall. And uh, since then, you've taken the show uh, to the Vancouver Fringe. After well, since then, since then, we actually had the show at, at the Hamilton Fringe, and then and then we took the show to the Va- to the Vancouver Fringe. And I, I want to be actually, I want to be very specific about it that I wrote the play, but a lot of what the play has kind of turned into and and the phenomenon that is sort of you know that has really expanded it, it very much is a team mm. so we have we at same boat the um aaron and uh and the actors uh really it was a quite a group effort for us to get it yeah to get it, to, to for us to create this thing. so in in terms of going uh uh like just getting through the the hamilton fringe obviously it was well received at the hamilton fringe mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i mean we we got we got great reviews and we uh, we uh, won the uh, the critics pick award for the festival, which was fantastic. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, at what point did you decide that you wanted the show to have uh, a further life? God, we were. I mean, I'll 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 let Aaron talk about this as well. But we were really like in the midst of us doing it, we were really talking about well, you know, what further life does this piece have? I think that was that was something we we very often uh talked about as we were sort of nearing uh um nearing the end of rehearsals and moving into the moving into the um the the production uh uh like the active show um and then when it when it started when we started finding our groove with it um in Hamilton I think was when we thought okay 
this is something we can definitely we can definitely do and then we should do um i think after we got we got the critics pick award we realized yeah this is this is something really really special and um and because of the subject matter um we we thought okay we um uh, vancouver's a natural place for it but it wasn't just vancouver that we applied to we applied to a number of other places um I'll let you yeah, I, about that as well. I, I think one thing that's always been true for us is that uh, we've looked at Fringe as like a proving ground, right? To see like if a thing has legs beyond, you know, see if it works, see if an audience cares about it at all. Uh, unfortunately, we've always had like, I mean, our community here in Hamilton has always been really supportive. And I should say that to start out that like the, there, there would be no even thought of Vancouver if we didn't know that stuff here worked. Um, and that our audiences here are like thoughtful enough to not just be like gassing us up. Um, but yeah, so when we, we were pretty, pretty early in our process, we had a pretty good sense that this was going to be something that would hit and that would, that felt pretty special to us. And it was our first show back after COVID and all of that. I won't, I won't go down that road cause we've all talked a million times about that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty clear to us that, you know, a show about somebody going up the West coast was probably worth, um, taking to the West coast. And so we, this year we had a Kickstarter campaign that we ran. Uh, we ran, we raised almost $11,000 to make sure that we paid for everything before we went to Vancouver. Cause, uh, you know, Phil, you know, that, uh, there's no guarantees in fringe. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we were well in hand, but yeah, it just made sense for us to do that. And then, and then to think more, you know, it's hard to make a new play. Uh, and I think it, I think every new play deserves at least a thoughtful, uh, working forward of like, does this work? And then what do we do about it? Not just let it die on a fringe stage. You know? hmm. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's sort of the, 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 the thing about, about a fringe show is that, um, Unless you, a lot of times a show will have its six or seven performances, especially if it's a local show and then never get seen again. Um, and there are shows that I've wanted more of at, at Fringe. Um, and so it's, it, it's, it's good to, to, to see a show that people are thinking about what is the way forward for this show? What is the life of this show after this Fringe? Um, and, and like you said, Stephen, the Vancouver, seems like a, a perfect home for the show um how how was it received in 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 vancouver oh it was um it was really well received um i mean we uh i'll let uh, i'll let aaron talk about our venue because he has a bit more of a connection with with uh that community but uh the people the, the people that came to see it i mean um I mean, I mean, we had, we had people that, that left the theater that, that were weeping. Um, you know, we, there was, uh, there were some people that, you know, had actually seen and encountered orcas or humpback whales, um, you know, in the Georgia Strait, cause they uh, are a common sight there. Um, there was a few people too who came to see it who had been part of the environmental movement, the start of the environmental movement in the seventies, uh, in the sixties and seventies and eighties out in Vancouver, which largely involved, um, uh, orca, like a captured orca, which, which sort of galvanized the, the, the community around, you know, how do we treat these animals and, and, um, you know, how, how, how do we become aware of the environment? So, so it was, it was really well received. And I think, I think 
I also, I also got the impression that a lot of people were taken very much uh, by surprise by it, as I think often has with this, this kind of a show at Fringe, you know, like it's not, it isn't your typical Fringe fair in some ways. Um, but, uh, but it, it got really, really, um, and we also were one of the few shows out there that got a, a review. Um, we got a really great review too. Um, so, uh, yeah, from what I, from, from sort of the people that I spoke to and gathered, it was, it was really well received. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the way that, you know, uh, the, the certain, certain fringes are expecting particular kinds of shows and it's different mm-hmm. at every fringe. Um, Toronto likes weird stuff. Oh, Vancouver liked really weird stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was, I mean, there was a show from Calgary about, about like, um, with, with these two clown performers who were rats, who were sort of the last remain, like the only remaining rats in, or the only rats in Alberta. And it was like, and it swept, it swept the fringe. Well, it's also like, Uh, it's worth noting that Vancouver is the, is the like final resting place of most, uh, fringe tours because it's the last one on the circuit. So what you get is a lot of like, and I think this is usually the case this is certainly the case in Hamilton. The folks who are touring are, are almost exclusively solo shows. And they're usually one person who's been like billeting across the country, uh, with their show in their backpack. And so that there's like a really, like I was saying to somebody, there's like that kind of summer camp energy, like the last week of summer camp where it's like, you've been with these people all year and it's a really like, mm-hmm emotionally high but also like the deep relief of of finally being done your project you know what i mean and so that was like that was a very cool community to get to witness um but yeah i mean like steven said our show is not traditional fringe show in the way that we like came with something that was like very finished and like i'm like a fairly high concept high concept low budget uh designer and and director so when i you know, when we brought a show, it was like here, I knew the things that I needed it to have. Um, and we, like Steven said, we were really lucky that we were at Pacific theater in Vancouver and big shout outs, especially to Phil Miguel, who is just like the greatest tech I think we've ever had anywhere. Um, and totally got the show and just was like really excited about it. Um, but yeah, it was, I think we were kind of a surprise to some folks because it's pretty traditional, like nobody's breaking the fourth wall on our show. You know what I mean? And that's like kind of a fringe stalwart (laughs) is that like the, the soft expectation that you might be interacted with that definitely didn't happen for with us. Um, but yeah, I think that was, it was an exciting thing to get to bring that show our show anywhere. Um, but Vancouver was really great. And that fringe is like, there's a lot of shows. It's 85 shows there. Um, which, you know, I didn't know that when I, when we like submitted for that fringe. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's twice as big as the Hamilton fringe, you know, as a, as a point of reference for us and almost as big as Toronto, right? Toronto's a hundred plus usually, but it's like a pretty, there's 15 venues in Vancouver. It's a big for fest. So hmm. yeah, that was also, I think kind of a surprise to us. Um, but in like a really nice way. Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly something about, about, uh, um, being at a fringe and not being a show that's from there, I think there is a bit of a shock sometimes when a, a show has a cast. Yeah, for know? real. Because, because like you said, solo shows are kind of the <laughs> bread and butter, and uh, um, especially near the end, like who's been 
who's been going across yeah. the country, who's been like trudging their way through, through all of the ups yeah. and downs of like every fringe. Um, it's usually some very exhausted solo yeah. performer that gets, and they're all spot. like trauma bonded, which is great. You know, but like, they've all got their like wild stories and they're, they're all, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool thing. And I think it like, it also reminded me of how small this country can be in its mm -hmm. art scene mm -hmm. in like a really nice way that like, you know, as I was talking to folks, odds were good. We knew somebody in common, even though we have thousands of kilometers between us. Um, and that was like a very heartening thing, especially after all the like weird isolationism of the last several years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always think about, about, you know, how, how traveling to a fringe that's not your home fringe exposes you to different, different things, different, uh, ideas, um, uh, shows that you would never have encountered mm. before performers you would never have encountered before, which I find always very exciting. I remember years ago. Uh, meeting and seeing the performances by uh, uh, at the time a duo called the Wonderheads who do these big uh, uh, full head masks um, that that were just like magical shows um, and I never would have encountered them if not for uh, being on the fringe circuit and and like having the joy of seeing the show. Yeah, we saw some really great stuff. Like there's I, this show that I know that Stephen is going to name check is called Leah and Dor. That was like a Lithuanian folk sure. tale, physical theater kind of thing that like was just really wonderful. It was just like a really great surprise. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to to see the way that different cities work in different ways, but also the ways in which like every theater community is kind of the same one. You know, like there's like a a that guy of you know, of every every community where you're like, Oh, that's my analog here. And those kinds of things, which also I think in, especially coming from like a smallish market, like Hamilton is always like mm -hmm. encouraging to be like, Oh, we're like, we're all the same ones. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of great. Um, now having taken this show to, to Vancouver and, and you know, taking everybody out there and I'm sure that you had some great experiences. I think you, did you, did you go like, whale watching did you go like orca watching? oh my gosh did we like I, I mean i could i could go on and on about how how the the tour of the play and the tour of the fringe was one thing and our experience around vancouver and and the environment was a completely other incredible bonding experience um certainly it's 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 an experience that i'll remember for the rest of my life because it was a lot more than just we're bringing a, sh a show out west it was the company, it was the four of us kind of bringing this experience and bringing our expectations and being surprised by things. Um, yeah, it was yeah, I mean, we, amazing. We definitely did go whale watching because it was like, if you go to Vancouver with a show about whales and you don't try to see some whales, it's you like, kind of what have are you to doing? Go. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we did go whale watching. Exactly. We did see humpbacks. We didn't see orca. We figure, we figure, we well, the when they bring us back, we'll, we'll see them then. Um, but, uh, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, you know, Stephen and I both have young kids. And so the other reality was like, we were traveling without kids and that's truly amazing to get to do. Um, and so we, uh, yeah, we really took, took the best of it and, you know, went up to Whistler one day, went across to Bowen Island one day, all those kinds of things. That if you're there, you might as well do. Um, and yeah, we like the, it was just a great, it was a great opportunity for us to get to bring the show 
to the places that we name check in the show. And, and honestly, like of, of all the things that we heard from audience members, my, the best compliment that we got was we had somebody who was like, you got all the Vancouver stuff dead, right? And that's like, (laughs) as, cause you know, you go in with a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like I grew up out West. I, I know that part of the world pretty well, but it's still like, I don't want to go in there and get it all wrong. I don't want them to be like poking holes in it, you know, but people were really like very, uh, very affirming of the work that we'd done, which is kudos to Steven as a good researcher too. Yeah. And, and that was a good, that was a, that was a good, that, yeah, I, I'll, I'll echo that too. Um, it had been two decades since I had been out to Vancouver and when I'd been out there previously, I'd been a very different individual. I, my playwriting career was literally just starting. Um, and so, but, but it always held this very deep mystique, this very profound meaning. And so, um, so yeah, like a lot of my writing, a lot of my shows since then has had permutations of Vancouver or the West coast somewhere in it. Um, you know, a a character in a play will have worked for BC fairies or, you know, a research lab in a, another play of mine was in the mountains. Like it, it's the West coast is. I think this is true for a lot of people in Eastern Canada or Ontario. The West Coast always has this allure, right? Um, uh, but Aaron's right. I mean, I, I was sort of writing from memory and from research. So it was pretty gratifying to hear people say, yeah, that you got it. You, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. Hmm with this environment and experience. Yeah. You certainly don't want to be the, the, the person who like is, it shows up in Hamilton and starts name checking Toronto locations as though they are part of the, the, you know, it's good to, to have the accuracy. People do not dig when you get the, the, when you well, get the details wrong. The, like if we want to talk about like regionality, you don't want to be coming from this part of the world in like the greater Toronto area and go out there and be like, well, <laughs> this West coast stuff, that's all the same. Like, no, man, we like, (laughs) there's a reputation here. And I grew up in Edmonton. So like, I am hyper vigilant to not being one of those guys coming from the Toronto area who thinks that all this stuff is the same, but yeah, it, it is a thing that you is worth being careful about. I'll put it that (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm curious about is, you know, you, you performed this show at the Hamilton Fringe and then you took it to a different city. And different places react to different shows in different ways. So what did you learn about the show presenting it for an audience that was not uh, the, the, the quote unquote home audience? So my, one of my priorities on taking this show on the road was uh, to see if we were any good. <laughs> because, you know, you like, you make work in your home city, you know that you have like friends and family who are going to come see it. And usually your friends and family are going to tell you they liked it, even if they didn't, um, you know, shout out to like the three people who I actually will get an opinion from. Uh, but I think one of the things that I was like really happy about in Vancouver was the way like in, in Hamilton, the primary connection I think is to the relationship between the two characters, the, like a father daughter relationship and the interaction with kind of the sense of grief. Um, and that was still the thing that hit in Vancouver, right? Like the, uh, the particularities of the place definitely resonate in a different way. Um, but I think that like the particularity gives way to the universal reality that like we all have 
some family member or relationship that we've somebody that we've lost that was very influential in ways that maybe they didn't even get to know in the long run. Um, I think that was like wonderfully universal. Um, I, I expected there to be a bigger difference between how audiences would respond, but weirdly, I think it kind of hit more the same than different is how I would, how I'd friend. I don't know. Maybe Steve has a different thought, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, and you know, I don't want to be egotistical here, but I, I knew us taking the show. I knew, I know the show is good. I know that it's strong. Um, uh, you know, I've been working enough and, and understand my sort of own, own work and sort of can, can assess looking at a show, whether it's strong, whether it has legs, whether it needs improving. And I mean, before we took it out West, we, we dove back into the piece, right? We, you know, we said, listen, and I mean, you know, last year when, when we were finishing up, Aaron was like, the next time we do this, right, there's this show, there's this scene that's missing that we got to hit, right? And, you know, I took all those notes post-show ha- Hamilton and said, yeah, this is what I'm going to have to revisit. And I dove back into it. I like, you know, did, did the whole cue cards for each scene, like what scene is what's missing. I mean, we had one rehearsal in July where we're like, okay, the ending's not landing. Like the ending's fine, but it's not landing. We're not earning it. And what is that? And, and it took us a few tries to dive into it. And then there was a couple of moments and we won't give away the ending, so to speak, but there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a a few moments where Aaron kind of said something and then Ray said something. And then I heard this, that, and then it all really came into place. And it was, and that's why I say it was a very collaborative team spirit. So we did the work, like we've done the work to make this show even better than it was last year. And I think for me, what, what the big difference was with regards to Vancouver and Hamilton, I mean, it really comes down to the, uh, for a lot of it, for me, it was venue. Um, uh, we're going back to the eight, we're, we're bringing the, the piece back to the HCA in a couple of weeks and the HCA, the Hamilton Conservatory for the Arts is where it got its start. But for me, the real intriguing part was bringing it into another physical venue. Uh, to see how it played in an, in, in another venue. And the Pacific theater, um, is very much like it's, it's audiences on two sides, but the audience is raked. So there's a, there's a lot more of a sense of, of people looking down, like it's a fishbowl. Uh, and the lighting scheme that we had was, was, was like even deeper blues. There was some, because we had new scenes, like the, 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 the pieces that take, the scenes that take place in the, in flashback were sort of a bit hotter. Uh, and for me, that was the most gratifying piece was seeing the, was seeing the play interpreted in a different men, venue, uh, that then consequently, uh, audiences react differently to it. Um, and I thought that was, for me, that was the coolest thing mm. about seeing it elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. I always find, um, and I think that, 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 uh, you know, when you do the, your, your first fringe festival with a show, if you if the show's going to have another life before you do it again, you should do exactly what you did and, and look at what worked. Look at what, what, hmm. you know, how do people react? What's missing? Cause the audience has taught you things oh, about yeah. the show. Yeah. That's right. Well, and if you don't take yeah. that. Yeah. Why so, did you bother? Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. say this. Part of the reason that I knew the ending didn't work is, uh, because my mother-in-law read it entirely wrong. Like she just like didn't get it. And she will never hear this, so I'll oh. say that out loud. Um, but, you know, even just having somebody who's like 
close to you be like, oh, this is how this, the show ends and being like, I promise you it's not is, is like a really important kind of thing. And I do think you're right, Phil, that like, you know, if you don't take it and do the work, then like, what's the point? And I'm, I'm, I'm a big process person. Um, and I'm t- one of the terrible directors who will like give actors notes up through closing. Um, but I think that there is something when you are, especially working on a new play that like, it's not finished, right? Like it's never actually done until somebody picks it up to publish it. And then even that's like a thing that's like set in a moment. It's like, this is the version here. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we've, we have, Steven and I have been working together for almost 10 years. Um, and so he knows that I'll always give notes on a script until, until it's open. And even then maybe we'll, you know, there's a, there's a line change that came from Vancouver. Uh, and the fact that we were haunted by white Teslas, um, haunted, like I have never seen so many of one car in my life as we saw white Teslas in Vancouver. And I don't know if that's like a particular Vancouver culture thing. I don't know, but they're everywhere. And so there's a line change that came out of that halfway through our run is like, we have to like, that was one of those things that is influenced by the place (laughs) that we couldn't have got right from here. Um, but yeah, those, there are those kinds of things that I think if you're, if you have an audience and you're not listening to them, why is it a play? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like at that point, it's like, why is this a live thing for people to interact with? Just go make like a video. That's, that's fine. Yeah, I always think that anytime that that I approach a new a new show, um, or a show that I've, I'm remounting, um, I, you know, you look at you look at it again. You look at it with fresh eyes. I've done that in in work with Keystone Theater, where each time that we were revi- we would come back to a, a one of these silent film plays that we created. We would revise it. We would like look what worked. What what we're different people now. What is the what is the what is this show? And I've done it with every show that I've ever done a second mm-hmm. time is completely rework it because I think that that you do learn so much, especially with friends. We often don't get, we don't get workshops. So we're workshopping as we yeah. go. Um, and so, you know, that information is so valuable to, to improve this show and make it better and better each time you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and again, you know, I, I, I'm also the type of playwright that will want to make, line changes although we don't tend to do them all that drastically um but i mean we were also really lucky that we um we were working with uh two actors uh stephanie hope lawler and raymond louder who were really open to those types of changes right who you know like i just give so much props to the work that they've done um i mean i i i will often i will often say that that this play on paper uh uh, perform performs differently. Like, I mean, it's a truism that, that when a play gets up on its feet, it's a different entity than it is on paper. But I think it's really true for, for a piece like this, because, um, in the script, the voice of the father, Stephen, speaking to, uh, to his daughter, uh, Rebecca is, is very, um, like it's almost, I don't know. It's like a dis- disembodied voice, even though I say, you know, the father is this present walking around. But when, we gave it uh, in the first version of the script and, and subsequent when Raymond sort of got his hands on it. He said, he said to me, 
I can't really think, see this presence of this character in any other way, but physical, like intense physicalization. Um, and, and it, it just lifts the piece. It lifts the piece off the page such that I think some people, you know, when they do, when they have just read the script, um, come away with a very different idea of what the script is, what the story is. Um, and so it really is an experience, a very different experience when you see it, um, when you're in the presence, um, when you have a soundscape and, and I mean, kudos to Aaron as well, who, who, um, when like music is an essential part of his directing process, uh, sound, uh, as it is actually with mine, um, uh, sound is a very big part of, uh, how I connect with a show. So I've been very lucky, um, because the way that sound is used in this piece is just incredible. Yeah. And I'll just like name check Wade Morrison, who's the composer on, that's one of the things that we actually improved, uh, on this, this iteration is I, we brought on Wade Morrison, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, his band is called Math Club, and they're incredible. Um, and he wrote uh, three new pieces for the show, and I think that really lifts it also. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, it is, yeah, it's true that when you read a thing, it doesn't always translate to what you're going to see. But this show especially, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Stephen won that. A special merit award at theater bc and some of the notes that they sent back i was like oh yeah you haven't seen this like you don't you don't know what it is yet and and there's no way that you can write that down right but it's uh it is pretty electric and that's that's really like steven said a big big up from ray and from stephanie both like the way that they come into the room with a really generous posture is really hard to beat Now you're you're as as you mentioned you're you know you're about to uh, 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 you know perform this in uh, in Hamilton once again and then uh, after that the show will be coming uh, to Toronto at the Red Sandcastle Theater. Um, what do you take? I don't know if you if you're making changes or anything or what or even just like lessons that were learned from the performance in Vancouver that that affect the show in as you as you continue to do it after that experience. That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, are you, are you asking how the show changes, continues to change from Vancouver onto this iteration in Hamilton and then onto Toronto? I mean, that, 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 that could be one interpretation, but also sometimes just, just like having performed a, a show in one place, we don't need to make any changes, but something about having performed in that place taught us something that we carry forward either in the actor's interpretation or, or things like that, that sort of like, or we take the lessons that we learned from one performance and, and, and bring them into yeah, the Yeah, I think, I mean, the like, well, I think one true thing is that we spent two entire weeks together, right? So that, that like, that, right. The, and, and Ray and Steph have a really great relationship and they really have an affinity for each other. And I think, all being able to then like spend meaningful time together outside of working hours is also like that brings a depth to their work on stage. Um, their trust for each other is really like essential to the show working. Um, so I think that feels different. Um, but I also think that we like are able to trust the show 
in a different way. We know where we can play with it. We know where, like, we know the moments that need to hit and we know the moments where there's a little more room to breathe. Um, but we're not so deep into a run <laughs> that everything is kind of calcified into like, this is how we do the show. Um, there's still, you know, playing to be done. Um, and you know, that's also like a, a thumbs up to, I will say to Ray particularly is the most playful person I've ever known in my entire life. Uh, and so his proclivity to want to bring new stuff and find new things, you know, we had a little tune up rehearsal the other day and he was like, okay, I have four new offers that I'd like to make. Um, and, and just like that kind of <laughs> comfort, I think with each other and the, the ability to trust each other is also, I think it makes the show better. I think it makes every show better. But I think particularly with this show, uh, their ability to trust each other and lean on each other is really valuable. And we wouldn't have had that in the same way if we didn't take it to Vancouver, if we didn't bring it back to Hamilton to like settle at home a little bit before taking it to Vancouver or to Toronto. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, Aaron, that's, uh, that's a really succinct way of putting it. I have to say, I agree with that. Yeah. Cause there's something about, I mean, there's, you know, the experience of, 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 of performing a show at home. Is so different from when you take it away, where you don't have all of the usual things that you interact with, and all you sort of have is this cast that you're traveling yeah. with, um, and nothing sort of brings it brings a cast together, or the opposite, depending yeah. on personalities, uh, like traveling with a show. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean i've I've been on I've been on fringe tours uh, that have not. That have not been as as fortuitous uh, and have not been really uh, big bonding experiences. Like I, I, there, there, one one fringe experience I had. I mean, we we went and we did the show, but everyone then went and did their own thing in the in the community in the city, and it was quite it was quite disaffecting, and and it affected the rhythm and the and the cohesiveness of the company. Um, I didn't really fear that that was going to happen when we went to Vancouver, but I I sort of had to had to. Um, had to sort of settle with myself that that was a possibility and instead like quite the opposite happened which is why i say that it was uh, it was a pretty transformational experience yeah i mean that's kind of what you want that's sort of the best case scenario for taking a show uh, uh on the road is that that everybody sort of continually gets along the relationships deepen and the uh and the show sort of like is bettered for yeah them. and i think like you probably know before you go if it's going to be a good time or not. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like if you're in a rehearsal room, you can kind of know if these are people you, you need to hang out with outside of this. And, and more particularly, if they're people you don't need to hang out with outside of this. Um, so I had a, I, I've known Ray, you know, he was the head of theater, the theater department where I went to school. So I've known Ray for 15 years. His daughter was the maid of honor at my wedding, you know, like where I knew Ray was good. I knew stuff was going to be fine. I would not have done all the work if i thought we were gonna have a shit time you know um but yeah it is like it's not a thing we take for granted i'll say that for sure yeah absolutely absolutely um so in terms of 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 this show and one thing that i probably should have done off the top we we steven and i had a whole conversation about this show before the ha it opened at hamilton fringe um but some people uh, uh, may not have heard that. So, um, if 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 you could, Stephen, could you uh, describe Whalefall? Yeah, it's uh, 
It's uh, inspired. The story uh, is about a woman named Rebecca who, um, upon learning that uh, the southern resident orcas of the Western waters have been declared extinct, um, leaves school and undertakes a journey to try and find the last surviving orca. Uh, and uh, and along the way, she kind of struggles and wrestles with um, uh, conversations with and uh, memories in the past uh, of her father. Uh, who was a large part of inspiring in her uh, the love of the ocean, uh, the love of whales. Uh, the play is directly inspired by my own relationship to my own daughter, uh, also named Rebecca. But because it is a, a climate change fable, it is a, it is a play that wrestles with a possible, a possible future in which um, these animals could go extinct, and they are currently an endangered species. The play is um, is is a sort of a, a dark speculative speculates into some dark areas, um, and so I so I say that these characters are, are inspired by real life, but they really aren't real life. Um, but it's it's important to kind of understand that when I first started writing this play, I was writing it because I wanted to talk about um, my daughter's love and dream of uh, of 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 being a marine biologist, but when I realized you know how deep that dream was i also had to contend with the fact that you know what if she grows up to be a marine biologist and these animals are gone right and there's nothing to there's nothing to study there's nothing to save right there's a line in the play where i it comes relatively early in the play um why why bother studying something that doesn't exist and uh and so a lot in a lot of ways whale fall is about this the search for hope and the belief that we can that we can fight against um that cynicism we can fight against um the sort of depression oppression of of the issue around climate change and we can actually take action and do something about it um in terms of you know you i think you have a character that's that's named for your daughter in this play you have a character mm-hmm. that's named for yourself yeah is it weird to um to write a play in which you're you're dealing with fictionalized versions of yourself and then to see it performed? No, it wasn't weird. It was it it was challenging. Um it was challenging because of the places that the play goes with regards to these characters that I don't really want to get into, but I have to wrestle with my own mortality, right? I had to wrestle with the fact of okay, what is what is the inciting incident? Right? The inciting incident of the play is that um the father you know, essentially rejects his daughter saying, you can't, you can't drop out of school. You can't do this and I won't support it. Right. So automatically then I'm, I'm, I'm venturing into territory that myself as a, as a father that loves his daughter that wants to support her is a difficult thing to wrestle with. Right. Like, would I ever take that stance against my daughter? Right. Not now, but when she gets older, what am I going to be like in 10 years? What's she going to be like in 10 years? I wouldn't say that it was weird, but it was challenging and uneasy again because of some of the questions that that it raised. Um, but also, you know, it, it, in it, it's the piece is 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 a is a work of creative nonfiction. I you know I like to say, and so when you're dealing with creative nonfiction, um, or rather, or, or rather, uh, a fiction inspired by reality, I think you can play around with with um what is true and what isn't and because it is a speculative story um you know they're 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 it's a cautionary tale and you kind of have to take it as a cautionary tale what lessons do you learn from 
from the story. Uh, but in a lot of ways too, I mean, it, it, it's the riskiest piece I've ever done. It's the most personal piece I've ever done. Um, and for that matter, for that reason, I think it's probably one of the best. I will say like from a director dramaturg perspective, it is weird in the room when you're like, okay, Steven, not you though, you know, to, <laughs> to make those kinds of splits <laughs> is funny. Uh, one thing that did change in this iteration in the script is that, uh, Steven, the character of Steven in the script is spelled with a V instead of a PH. And I think that was a really like important thing for us to like make that clean cut to say, this is not you. So anything we say about this character (laughs) while maybe inspired by you is not like a, you know, we're not like degrading you as a human being or any of those kinds of things. You know, you want to be careful. Um, yeah, and it's interesting, but it's interesting too. Like the the character, the 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 character of Stephen in the script is never actually referred to by that name. He's he's, I mean, he's the father. But I'm the type of playwright that I hate putting that word. I hate saying father, daughter, boy, girl in a script. Like I just I have to give people names for this, yeah. at least for the sake of the actor. Uh, Stephen, just I, I'm re- I am I am I'm reminded of a particular play um, that we did many many years ago. Um, where, uh, I was playing a, 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 a role in the play you were directing and the character was referred to in the script as psychopath. Oh my gosh. And, uh, how I we did in- not anticipate you. I was thinking of that play just today. We were, how did we you ins- bring it up? We were, uh, just, I just remembered that we, uh, in rehearsal decided, no, we can't refer to him that way. He says his name is Ted and that is how we are it going to, Ted. Yeah. that is how we are going to refer to him. It's the trial of Judith K by, uh, by, yes. um, uh, us, I think Sally. Cooper. Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm, I am curious about, you know, and this is, this is, this is sort of delving into the personal, but the play sort of like, uh, uh delves around those sorts of things. Um, if you're writing a play that is inspired by, by your young daughter, um, yeah. that involves you as her father, even though it's fictionalized, what kind of conversations did you have with your daughter about this play? before putting it on stage um well i mean it, uh it's interesting what sort of conversations did i have with her i mean honestly like uh becca went to see um becca went to see the see the script uh as see the play uh she wasn't at the opening but um but i mean i i, I mean i i i said you know, I mean, essentially said, you know, it's, it's, a it, it's fictionalized. So, uh, so some of so, so obviously some of the stuff uh, that you're going to see isn't real, but it's inspired by you. Um, uh, but I mean, you know what? She's, she, she like enjoyed, she loved it. Like, um, and maybe some of the stuff, some of the more adult stuff or adult themes kind of maybe went over her head and that's completely fine. But I mean, she connected, I think again, because the play, operates on so many levels it's physical theater it's there's a big element of game playing and play and and movement um it's it's not just a play with dialogue where people talk back back to each other it's storytelling so she connected with it on a lot of different levels didn't necessarily get and didn't necessarily need to get some of the 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 sort of the the darker aspects of the play um so i i you know but and she's she's getting to an age now that that she understands that the stories being told to her you know aren't aren't uh aren't true and 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 so i mean i think just in in terms of 
preparing her for the for the piece, I didn't really need to do much at all. I think she was more um uh just kind of settling in with the fact that here was this person on stage named Rebecca who loves whales and sharks and was talking to her about it and that was that was just amazing. Yeah, and I, like Ray and Steph did Stephen wasn't at the show the night that Becca came because he was home with uh their with their other kid. With my son. <laughs> but you know, watching her interact with Stephanie afterwards, I think Stephanie was maybe more excited to spend time with Rebecca than Becca even was to spend time with Steph. <laughs> um but you know, they took a moment to like acknowledge her, to like have her stand up and like give give her that moment also which i think is like for for us i think it's important yeah. to acknowledge that that like her life is a thing that we've kind of co-opted to make this play or at least to like you know to honor that was really important to us um and actually with our kickstarter campaign she was the one who designed the sticker that was one of our award uh pieces and so i think Right. you know yep. her her fingerprints are on this show in ways mm. that i don't know that she's even necessarily aware of um which is i think usually how kids influence their parents and the work that they do you know yeah very very true <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely um just as we sort of like start to like ease towards a close here um earlier in the year was it a year i don't even remember year time is difficult now um after the pandemic i don't yeah. know what time is but some time ago um, there was a, a whole thing where, uh, 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 the orca were rising up against the yachts. Oh my, I knew the, f- yeah, it was yeah. Okay. wonderful um, yeah. publicity for us. It was happening right when our Kickstarter was running. It was great. It was oh, that's honestly awesome. great timing. Everybody was thinking about orcas. It couldn't have been better for us. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, orcas attacking boats. And, um, so I, I want to talk about this cause this is really a great story. So Aaron said to me, we have to, we ha- this has to go in the show. We have to include this in the show. And I'm like, okay, all right, we'll do it in the show. We'll, we'll include it in the show. I did a whole bunch of research on the whole thing, you know, because it was all over, all over the place. Like, and I wrote a scene, um, which was essentially all the stuff about orcas attacking boats. And it all sort of led me to then writing this big monologue. And so we read it, we brought in, it's, this was like classic, dramatic new play development stuff we brought in i brought in the scene to read and all of the stuff save for one line about about orcas attacking boats and things like that all got shucked but we kept the monologue and the monologue was a key Hmm. was the key to finding um a a moment in in the script Hmm. uh so we kept one line about the boats but thank God for writing that boat scene because we would not have found the monologue that is the key, that was a key aspect of, of the play yeah. if we hadn't. So that's Well, I think the truth right is there. like, you know, that the stuff about the whales, the, the orca and the yachts, like, you know, there were, there was literally somebody walking around at the fringe with a shirt that said, eat the yachts on it with a big orca. Like, that's like a real thing that we saw at the Vancouver Fringe. Um, and so like, it was so front of mind, I think this year. And I think, you know, one of the things that there have been a lot of these like memeable tragedies or whatever. Like, I don't think about your orcas attacking billionaire boats as a tragedy, but there are a lot of these like 
memeable things that have been happening. I think if we don't like take a minute to actually look at them, then we're doing ourselves a disservice, like culturally, but particularly if like something like this is going to show up that is so completely on the nose of a project that we were working on is I knew that if we didn't at least try to think about it, somebody was going to come up to us after our first show and be like, you know, you heard about the the yachts, right? Like, why is it not? Right. And so like, I knew that we at least had to do the work to respond to a real thing that was happening. That was still very front of mind. I mean, I, I, yeah, the fact that we were walking out of a show and saw somebody wearing a eat the yachts shirt was just like too on the nose. And of course we had to run over and tell them about our show and see, see where they got the shirt and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think that's just like good paying attention. <laughs> I think if you're going to be developing any work, you have to be paying attention to what's going on around you too. I think it's fascinating, you know, I mean, I think what Stephen said about, about how, you know, in typical, like new play development fashion, you wrote a whole thing and m most of the things that you had, had, had thought you were writing it about were not what you were writing it about. Um, it's yeah. pretty, it's, it, it, it's a weird, like, this is how, this is how theater gets developed. You know, you, you sort of think you're doing one thing and then you discover, oh wait, no, this was something else entirely, which was sort of running under the surface. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it sort of happens in a kind of magic way, uh, almost by accident yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it, precisely. Which is, uh, you know, it is, is, you know, the magic, right? Like that's, I think that's the reason, you know, we keep going back to this, right? Like, you know, pandemic, <laughs> pandemic happened and, you know, you know, did I think, uh, you know, honestly, I was like, am I going to still keep doing this? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. And then, you know, I did this and it's like, yeah, I, I can't quit. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that, coming back. I, I did a show uh, a few years ago with Anna Chatterton, who's a brilliant playwright. And we were we were talking in a rehearsal and, and she was saying, you know, every time I finish a show, I say, I'm at, this is it. I'm done. And <laughs> then like the next day you wake up and you're like, oh, I have this idea. Oh, shit. <laughs> I have this idea. And it's like, I think that is, yeah, you know. It, it demands like a certain kind of curiosity, right? Like a, a proclivity to being curious about what the next thing would be. But I also think, you know, it, new play development is not for everybody. <laughs> um, but I think if no. you're, if you're into it, you just stay into it. You kind of can't help yourself. And that's where like getting back into the room when we knew that we were going to continue to do this project we also knew that there was no way that we were just going to like bring it back as it was it was just like so deeply uninteresting yeah. to me it's like if i don't get to mess with oh. it then what's the point so well aaron steven thank you so much for joining me i really appreciated this i uh, really enjoyed the conversation and uh if you're in the toronto area you'd be able to see whale fall at the red sandcastle theater november 19th to 26th yeah, we're really we're really excited about about this. Um, we wanted to work. I've uh, I know that um, I wanted to work uh, with with uh, with Red Sandcastle like ever since the um, Adriana and Eric took it over. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really going to be uh, a wild time. Absolutely. I haven't done I haven't done theater in Toronto in years. So it's the doubly exciting. Exciting. Then. Yeah, it's <laughs> a know. great it's a great chance for us to like you know recognize that it's only forty five minutes down the road from us. You know what I mean? Like. So often it feels yeah. <laughs> like it's a world away, but I mean, if you, if you spent any time in Hamilton recently, you know that most, 
well, not most, but a lot of people who are living here were recently living mostly in Toronto. Um, and so I think to like tie those worlds together is really valuable. Um, and hopefully it's like, it's a tester for us, right? It's like, if this works, then, then we know that we can bring more shows here. And, and I, I really think the more relationship building we can do between our artistic scenes in Hamilton and Toronto is like going to be such a boon to all of us. Cause it is like so stupidly easy to get back and forth. Um, and there's only, you know, it's it's good to your, your people. So, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate the conversation. I've had a great time and uh, looking forward to seeing Whalefall. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Phil. Lovely to talk. This has been an episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy is produced, hosted, and edited by Phil Rickaby. That's me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Those reviews and ratings help new people find the show. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And remember, if you want to leave a tip, you'll find a link to the virtual tip jar in the show notes or on the website. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the complete archive of all episodes at stageworthy.ca. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. See you next week for another episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy.